0: So we're in this series called Life Hacks. This is our third and final installment. Um, and it's one, of those, it's one of those series where uh, there's so much in it. We've been st- exploring the book of Proverbs. Um, and, and Proverbs gives us wisdom and insight about our life. And so we've been studying it. Next year I think we're going to do another series like this, but it's going to be 10, 10 weeks long because there's just so much good, rich wisdom and insight about our life um, in Proverbs. So, But we're going to end it this week. Next week, we have a very special service for you that I can't tell you about yet, but you got to come and experience it. And then the following week, we're going to launch a series called Hot Mess. So I don't know if that applies to anybody in this uh, auditorium, but if it does, um, come on out for that in two weeks. All right, life hacks. If you don't know what a life hack is, um, a life hack is a, tech, a technique or a strategy that makes some aspect of your life more efficient. It's an insight that makes life less complicated. It's an instruction for a better life. And this idea of life hacks has just caught on in the last few years. And so there are blogs and websites and pictures and videos about how to make your life easier. And it's usually some like little thing in life, like some little thing that there's a better way to do it. Uh, And somebody sent me a life hack this week, uh, and I want to play it for you. It's on a video, so take a moment and watch this life hack.
1: Another cold morning here in East Tennessee, most waking up to teens and 20s, and if you left your car outside, it probably looks like this, some scattered frost on the windshield. Two ways you usually get rid of this. One, you warm up the car for a long period of time, keep the defroster on, and that will heat the window up. that kind of wastes gas, doesn't it? The other, a good old ice scraper. Takes time, but it'll eventually do it. Here's a better way, simple solution. All you do is spray, and the frost is gone. Now, it's not water. You don't add hot water to a windshield. It can break it, but just this simple spray of solution on the windshield will make that de-icing a lot quicker. So you may ask yourself, what is this solution? Well, it's actually very simple, and most of you probably have this in your home. One thing, isopropyl or rubbing alcohol, you mix that with water. You take one-third part of water, and you mix it with two-thirds parts of isopropyl or rubbing alcohol. You mix both of these solutions together and pour it in a simple spray bottle.
0: Huh, what about that? How about that? Some of you will not remember anything I preach today, but you will be at home mixing your isopropyl with your water. That's your life hack. The the problem with life hacks is they're great if you need to do something like de-ice your windshield, right? But a lot of us have some, some bigger fish to fry. We've got some bigger challenges in our life that we need to understand how to do better. We need to know how to live a better life. And so we don't, we're, in this series, we're not just looking at like the little life hacks that help us overcome the tiny challenges in life. We're looking at the big life hacks, the big insights, the big pieces of wisdom, the big principles that address the big issues in our life, which is our relationships and our finances and our dating life and our career and our children. And how do we, how do, we do better in those areas of life? And Proverbs is an amazing book. It's dead in the center of the Bible. It's an amazing book that gives us insight and wisdom and principles on how to live a better life. And so this week, we're going to be exploring the area of our finances. What does what does Proverbs, what does King Solomon have to say about our finances? I'm calling this sermon, Dollars and Cents. Dollars and, so t- turn to the person next to you and say, the preacher's getting ready to talk about money. All right, let's just, all right. All right, everybody take a deep breath. All right, Um, it's a sensitive topic for people, uh, especially in churches, and for good reason. Number one, money is important in our life. It it literally impacts every area of our life. If somebody says to you, you know what, man, money's not important to me, Um, they're high. So um, just (laughs) give them a bag of Doritos and see you in 24 hours, and you know— Money is hugely important, and it's important to everybody, whether you're rich or poor, whether you have much or whether you have little. It affects your ability to survive, uh, what you eat, what you don't eat, what you wear, what you don't wear, uh, where you send your kids to school, uh, the house that you live in, the transportation. It, it, It literally impacts every aspect of our life. So it's a hugely sensitive topic because it's a deeply personal topic. The other reason that it's such an emotionally laden topic is that in churches historically churches have not historically i mean some have but many have not done a good job about explaining what the scripture teaches about finances and money and income and how do we how do we use it in the 1500s the church was guilty of 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 charging people for um for the forgiveness of their sins, so they it was called indulgences, uh, and it was a it was it was corruption, it was manipulation related to money, and then more recently we've seen um, all kinds of different levels of corruption or distortion of the scripture or or exaggeration of a financial principle, um, and, and so when we when we hear about money in the church or we start thinking about finances in the church, we get kind of cagey, we get kind of wary, but but today I want to say look. The scripture has this incredible insight, incredible insight into an area that, that affects us all, and to an area that is important to us all, and into an area that causes, if not all of us, most of us at certain times in our life, some degree of anxiety and worry and, and, um, and confusion. And so we're going to take some time today just to lean in to what Solomon says to us about how to live a better life in terms of our finances. Do, do any of you have any of you ever had any anxiety or worry about money or any challenges with, related to money? Everybody's like, mm. um, you know, when I when I was younger, when I was in my twenties, um, I I like I had a, I just I just did not understand how money worked at all, and there were there were periods of my life where I was like so broke. I like, you know how they say you're so broke you can't pay attention. That was me. I was just like I'm like man I. At one point in my life, I was literally living on the floor of my sister's apartment in Burbank, California. A room that, you know, in an apartment that she shared with three other roommates. And that's just not a good place to be. You know, my my real estate in that apartment was like a mat on the floor. And in the morning, I would roll up that mat and I would stick it under the bed. And that was my living situation. Um, I, I didn't have a car. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have a bicycle. I, I like, didn't have anything. I had a, I I finally got a job at a little discount bookstore in Burbank called Crown Books, and I would go down there. I had a little part-time job, get a little bit of money coming in, and I remember, like, you know, for lunch, there was this restaurant called El Pollo Loco. Any Southern California people? (laughs) Um, El Pollo Loco, it means the crazy chicken. And when your life, when you're, when, you're light, when you're excited about the opportunity to eat at the Crazy Chicken, you need some financial life hacks. You need some wisdom in your life. I would go in there and I would get myself the bean, the bean burrito with cheese, and that would be my sustenance. And then like on a good week, it was like about $1.19 for this burrito. On a good week when I was flush, when I was high rolling, I would get the smoky black bean burrito, which was $1.39. So I would like step it up a little bit, you know come out with my bag, just like, you know, I got my smoky black bean today. So, so I've had some, some times in my life where finances and, and money were a challenge. Like, not just a challenge, like a gut-wrenching problem. Like, my God, how am I going to get through this? Um, how am I even going to make it, right? I, I don't know if that's any of your situations right now. I'm sure it is for some of you, but some of you are in situations right now where Christmas is coming, and you're stressed out about money. You're stressed out about finances. Maybe you're struggling to pay the rent. Maybe you're struggling to to pay down your credit cards. Maybe you're struggling to pay make the the car payment, right? And so so the topic of money is just like, yes, I need some help in this area, right? Some of you may not be in that position, but maybe you're in the position of you're covering your bills, everything is cool, everything's okay, but like if something were to happen, like a health situation, or you got laid off from your job, you know that you would be hitting a crisis. And so, although it's not like an every-moment kind of anxiety that you're experiencing, it's still there. And you kind of, in the back of your mind, you go, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what to do about this. And then others, others of you may be doing great. You've, you've made good money, you've invested well, you've saved well, and yet you still have some degree of anxiety or nervousness, or worry about your finances. Like, will it be enough? Or like, what about my kids? Or am I going to leave a legacy that matters? Or, you know, will people take advantage of me? Or, you know, how do I spend in a way that is is meaningful and and, and purposeful? And and how do I be strategic with my philanthropy? There was a study at, um, I believe it was Boston College, where they did a study of people, all of whom had a $25 million net worth or above, and what they discovered is that the anxieties and the, and, the, and the worries about money were actually very, very similar to the people who were just, just barely getting by. I mean, there were, there were different kinds of challenges, but the level of anxiety and the level of stress and the level of worry about money was there. So it's, it's an across-the-boards kind of experience that we all have. And the Bible speaks into it. The Bible gives us wisdom and insight about how to handle our finances in a way that will allow us to flourish that will in a way that will, will allow us to not be full of dread and anxiety and fear. And so today, we're going to like overcome the discomfort about talking about it, and we're going to dive into what Solomon says about money, because he has some things to say that I believe if you will incorporate them into your life, in fact, I guarantee you, if you incorporate them into your life, they will bring flourishing into that area of your life. And what we've done, what I've done this week is I've taken... Um, some major themes from the book of Proverbs uh, from Solomon about what he says about finances, and I've broken them down into four basic life hacks, okay? Four basic principles about finances. All of them will not apply to you, all right? Maybe only one of them will apply to you. In fact, I would encourage you to not try to apply more than one of them to your life this week. Just apply one of them, because Solomon has incredible things to say about finances. Solomon, who was the guy who wrote and, and, and assembled the book of Proverbs, was, according to the Bible, the richest, the richest man in the land. He was the richest individual of his time. He was the Jeff Bezos of, you know, the, of the Middle East. You know, Jeff Bezos, CEO of, of Amazon.com. I think, he just, I think he just took over Bill Gates, I read this week. $95.7 billion net worth. Amen. Somebody teach on tithing to Jeff Bezos. Hallelujah. And we change the world. Hallelujah. Um, thanks. Thanks for, the, thanks for the laughter on that one. Um, so, so Solomon has these life hacks. And, and I'm just going to encourage each and every one of us today, grab one of them. All right, Just grab one of them and apply that one to your life. What's interesting is that the first life hack that he gives to us is, is, is about wealth, but it doesn't prioritize wealth. In fact, his first life hack is this, wisdom before wealth. Get wisdom before wealth. You would think a financial life hack would be like, get money and then figure out what to do with it. Solomon says, no, 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 no. Get wisdom first. Wisdom is priority. Wealth is preferable to not wealth, right? But it's not paramount. I want you to get wisdom first. Here's how he puts it. Uh, Proverbs chapter 8, he says, Choose my instruction rather than silver. Choose my knowledge rather than pure gold. He says, wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire, nothing you desire in the world can compare with it. He says, get wisdom before wealth. Now, why would he say, Get wisdom before wealth. Why would he say wisdom is more important than money? I'm gonna read you a story that I think better than I could articulate, illustrates why wisdom before wealth is the way you wanna go. Here it is. In 1988, a man named William Post hit the jackpot when he bought a winning ticket from the Pennsylvania lottery worth $16.2 million dollars. So starting off pretty good. Way to go, William. Post was to receive his winnings by way of an annual payment of $497,000. So he got a $500,000 a year income. Not bad. In the two weeks after Post collected his first payment, he spent $300,000 on gifts and, quote, investments, such as a liquor license, a lease for a restaurant in Florida, a used car lot, and a twin-engine airplane despite not having a pilot's license. I don't know, William. William got some wealth, but... Within three months' time, Post had racked up $500,000 in debt. In less than a year, Post became estranged from his brother. In an attempt to collect Post's winnings as an inheritance, his brother attempted to have Post and his wife murdered, paying a hitman to do the job. The attempt did not succeed, and Post's brother was arrested. In 1989, Post's former landlady and part-time girlfriend, interesting detail, sued Post for a portion of his lottery winnings, claiming that he had agreed to split the winnings with her. A judge ruled that Post owed her one-third of all the proceeds. Mm. I wonder how his wife felt about that. When Post refused to comply with the judgment, the judge ordered all of his lottery payments to be frozen until the dispute was resolved. In 1998, Post was arrested on a $260,000 sailboat for refusing to serve a six-month prison sentence on an assault conviction. Post had fired his shotgun at a debt collector. He was also ordered to stay away from his wife after he fired his shotgun at her Pontiac Firebird. Post was married seven times, with six of them ending in divorce, was alienated from his siblings, and eventually incurred over $1 million in debt while living out the remainder of his life, penniless and alone, surviving on food stamps and a meager stipend. And that is why Solomon says get wisdom before wealth right when you get wealth before wisdom you end up in poverty when you get when you get sorry when you get wisdom before wealth you end up in prosperity when you get wealth before wisdom you end up in poverty Solomon is saying he's starting off this these principles these financial principles by saying there's something more important to you than getting that thing that you want He's saying, don't pray for income, pray for insight. He's saying, don't, don't, don't pray for money, pray for mastery. Get some wisdom before you start seeking wealth. Because if you don't get wisdom first, you'll, you'll, not only just, you'll not only lose what you have, you may end up in a worse position than you were before you started. So for some of us, that is our life hack this week. God Give me wisdom in the area of my finances. I'm struggling. I don't know how to get it done. I'm worried. I'm anxious. I've. I, I just. I'm overwhelmed. And God, I need your insight. I need to. I need you to bring people around me who will help instruct me. I may need to go to the. We're going to have a Dave Ramsey financial peace life group next semester. I don't know if any of you know him, but but it's this. It's a. It's a life group that is designed to help you get out of debt and set a budget and learn how to not you know, find yourself in, in an upside-down financial situation. But for some of you, that's it. For some of you, the financial life hack for you this week is, God, I need some wisdom in this area because I'm struggling and I don't know what to do. And I need your help. For some of you, it's life hack number two. Life hack number two is what I'm calling grind before glory. Come on, somebody. Grind. Say, get on your grind. Hashtag my grind. Get on that grind. Some of us, some of us, and now this isn't all of us. Actually, some of us, it's just the opposite. Some of you guys need rest right now. Some of you have been grinding it out really hard, and God's saying, hey, rest. Just be cool. Just relax. But others of us, God might be saying, hey, I want you to take another step. I want you to step it up a little bit. I want you to push in a little bit because you're reaching there's a there's a natural universal temptation. We want the prize, but we don't want the perseverance. We want we want the gain, but we don't want the grind. I mean, come on, I'm that's me. I, I want the glory, I just don't want to put in the work to get it. I wanna I wanna just have it. How many of you have one of those friends who is always trying to find that shortcut to financial prosperity and wealth? How many of you are that friend? <laughs> You know, um, <laughs> and you volunteered to raise your hands. Um, I had a friend when I, in, in, the, in, my tw- in my 20s, I think I was in my 20s, maybe early 30s, but let's say 20s, um, and I, I use that term friend loosely, but, but this guy was a guy that was like always looking for the angle. He was always trying to find that thing, and I remember he invited me to this seminar one time. He said, have you ever, anybody ever been invited to a seminar? Like, okay. So he said, I want you to come to this seminar because it's a seminar about, you know, how to, to to build wealth and how to grow, you know, financially. And I'm like, hey, I'll take it. I need it. And he said, you know, and there's free lunch. So I'm like, sign me up. Let's do this. So we go to this like swanky ballroom at this nice hotel in Phoenix. And the chandelier is, you know, shining in the ceiling. And they've got the, the nice, there was a very nice lunch. They had like the... The carved roast beef and the red potatoes and the, the crispy green beans and the iced tea. And it's like, man, these guys are really treating you nice. I mean, this is good. So I'm there. I'm enjoying my free lunch. And people are talking about, you know, how to grow financially and how to grow your wealth. And um, they had these motivational speakers that were very inspiring, you know. They're just like, if you can imagine it, you know, you can achieve it. And just, yeah. And um, so, I'm, you know, you're, you're in that environment. And you're kind of getting caught up in it, right? And then at the end, they give you the pitch. And the pitch was this. We have a software that will allow you to know what stocks are going to go up and what stocks are going to go down. And it's amazing, this software, the way it's designed, the way you can know is a little green arrow will show up on your screen if that stock's about to go up. And guess what? If a stock's about to go down, a little red arrow will point down. So you can use this software. And I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm going... I should have been doing what you guys are doing. A lot of you are cringing right now. You're literally you're going, "Oh my gosh," right? And I and and yet I was sitting there going, "Hey, this sounds kind of like amazing." Like, right? Like, uh, so I I'm like, "All right, how much does this cost?" Well, it's only $499, and you can have this software forever. It's yours. Can I tell you that was the most expensive roast beef dinner, roast beef <laughs> lunch I ever I mean, it was like it was like it was a 400 and I'm like, I'm going to take some rolls with me if I'm going to, you know, we all, we, all, we all have this temptation to try to, to try to bypass the difficulties, to try to bypass the hard stuff and get to the end game. And here's what Proverbs says. Solomon says this. He says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Good planning and good grind lead to po- prosperity, but hasty shortcuts and roast beef lunches and <laughs> seminars where there are chandeliers sparkling in your eyes lead to poverty. For some of you today, it's that. It's, this is your opportunity to get on your grind. Jesus says, hey, if somebody asks you to carry something a mile, how, how, how long should you carry it? Two miles. Two miles. He says, I want you to, I want you to lean in. I want you to go ahead and, 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 and push in. I want you to persevere. For some of us, it's, it's a matter of like, we're showing up to work, and we're kind of like not into it, and we're sort of drained by it, and maybe we're just doing the bare minimum, and yet we keep finding ourselves sort of running up against the wall, right? And Jesus says this. The scripture says this. When you are working, you're actually not working for your boss. You're actually working as unto the Lord. He says, you're working for me, but I don't like my job. Well, you know what? You're not working for your company. You're working for the Lord. And he says, so pour yourself into it. Whatever you do, work as unto the Lord. Work heartily as unto the Lord. And, and, and he is the one that extends the inheritance. He is the one that gives the reward. All of us want that, that, that goal, that gain. You know, my favorite part about my job is right now. I love this part of this job. I love to get up and preach God's work. I love this part. What I don't like well, I do like it, but I don't like it as much as this, is the, the, the hours in front of a computer when I'm researching and I'm drafting and then I read it and I go, that doesn't make sense. And then I have to throw it away and then I gotta try it again and, I, and I'm praying, I'm going, God, give me some. And I'm, how can I speak in a way that makes sense? How can I speak in a way that resonates with people? How can I speak in a way that will, will actually help people and transform life That's the hard part, right? About Thursday, every week about Thursday, I call my wife and I go, babe, this sermon is terrible. Like, I'm going to get kicked out of this church because this sermon ain't working, right? And she goes, baby, you're going to do great. I'm like, okay, thanks. I'm going to get back on my grind, and I'm going to keep going, right? God is saying to some of us, not all of us, but this might be your life hack. Some of us know that there's, we've got more capacity, and he's saying, hey, I want you to lean into it. I want you to step into it. I know you're tired, but I want you to work for me. I want you to lean in. I want you to grow. I want you to get on your grind. Amen. One thing my wife did tell me about this sermon, she's like, this is not going to be an amen sermon, by the way. This is going to be like a practical, get it. So can I just get one amen? Just one amen. Hallelujah. Amen sermon. Okay, life hack number three. Ready? Earn more than you burn. (laughs) Okay, point number four. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Here's what Solomon says about this. The wise... Store up choice food and olive oil, but fools, fools gulp theirs down. This life hack, earn more than you burn, this is the crazy thing about this is it applies whether you're making you know, $500 a year or $50 million a year, because we all have the same temptation, and that is to spend up to the level of our income. Actually, is to spend up to a little bit above the level of our income, right? And so we find ourselves strapped. We find ourselves, no matter how much money comes in, a lot of times we find ourselves with no margin, with no cushion, and we're going, man, how do I, you know, how do I, why am I still feeling anxiety? Why do I still feel broke even though I'm making a lot more money than I used to make, right? It's this earn more than you burn, right? Because we, have, we actually have an epidemic of debt in our country, and a lot of us are, are, are stuck in it. A lot of us are struggling with it. And this is the life hack that Solomon says. He said it 3,000 years ago, and it applies just as rigorously today as it did back then. Look at the status. I've got some stats with you. The status of our society in the area of debt. The median student loan for a person who has attended some college or graduated from college in the United States, the median student loan debt is about $49,000. The median household credit card debt is about $16,000. The average mortgage debt is about $173,000, and the average auto loan is about $30,000. In other words, as a country, as individuals, we are struggling with debt. We are struggling, and, and, and Solomon says this, and I, I've got a lot more scriptures in your handout, so take them home, read them. I don't have time to go into all of them. But one of the things he says is that the borrower is servant to the lender. And what he means by that is when you're in debt, You're actually ensnared by the person to whom you owe money, like you're their servant. And so the more we are in debt, the more ensnared we become, the more entrapped we become. And we cannot flourish if we maintain a life of being in debt all the time. So some of us, our life hack this week is let's sit down and get serious about our debt. Sit down at the kitchen table with your wife or your husband or your friend or somebody who's wiser than you about money and say, hey, I gotta get serious about this because I'm not experiencing experiencing God's freedom. I'm not experiencing God's peace in my life. I'm not experiencing flourishing and empowerment in my life because I'm strapped and I'm worried and I'm anxious. And God says, "I I don't want you strapped and worried and anxious. That's not the life that I want for you. So, there's some insight, there's some principles that if you'll apply, I can help work you through this. That's the life hack. That's life hack number three. I told you, it's getting quieter and quieter. If you think it's quiet now, wait till the next one. The next one is give and it will be given. Life hack number four is real quiet now, man. You can, you can just turn my mic off, everybody will hear me. Just, no. Um, this is a life hack. This is a principle. This is a, a giving principle. And this is the one that is generally the most kind of like, how do you put it? Uh, this is the one that gets sort of most distorted. And this is the one that people get most wary of because it gets blown out of proportion. But there's a, an incredibly powerful, counterintuitive truth to this statement that will transform your life if you embrace it and if you adopt it, if you understand what it's all about. One of the best things that Rebecca and I did in our life when we first got married was we decided we're going to set aside a a percentage of our income. We decided to tithe. We're going to set aside 10% of our income. We're going to start with that. We're going to give that to God through our local church. And that's what we did. We tithed. And that's something we started doing at the very beginning of our marriage. And let me tell you something. At the very beginning of our marriage, we had debt. We had student loan debt. We had a lot of debt. And we were struggling financially. We didn't know how we were going to pull it all off. But we said, we're going to set this parameter first. And then after that, we're going to save a little bit. And then we're going to live on what's re- on, on the rest. And it set the trajectory of our financial path. We did a, we did a premarital um, counseling thing called Prepare Enrich. And it measures you know, how compatible you are in areas of your life, you know. And one of the areas is financial management. That was, for us, that was called a growth area. The counselor is very nice of the counselor. She's like, this is going to be a growth area for you. Meaning, you guys are terrible at this, right? Um, I really appreciated that. But when we decided to do this and we implemented some of these principles into our life, It it, it transformed the way that we interacted with each other around this area. The area of finance is one of the biggest areas of conflict in a relationship. It's one of the greatest challenges in a a relationship. It's one of the greatest uh, 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 areas of of anxiety in a person's life. And this is a principle that that, uh, Solomon teaches, that Jesus teaches, that Paul teaches, that Peter teaches. And it's a true principle if you can really grasp what it is. Let me read what Solomon says about it. He says this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. See, this is counterintuitive, because you think like the more you hold on, the more you have. And he says, no, when you're generous, it's a gain to you. When you withhold, um, it brings you to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So how does this work? Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. When he said the word blessed, what that word blessed means, it means to be enlarged. Your life is enlarged through your generosity. This is a powerful and true principle. It does not mean that if you give, God will you will walk out of your house and you'll find a Rolls Royce parked in your driveway. Okay, Sorry if that was your theory about this, but that's not what happens. But what does happen, what does happen is your life is enlarged. Your, the circumference of your vision and God's ability to do his redemptive work through you is enlarged. Our church is a giving church. We give away 10% of everything that comes into the church, undesignated income that comes into the church. And what that has done is it's enlarged our ministry. Right now, we are helping people who are being exploited in the, in the, in the sex trade traffic uh, industry in Cambodia. That's, that's a long ways from here. And in the, in, in, in the Dominican Republic. We're helping missionaries in China. We're helping missionaries in India. We're planting churches all around the United States. We're helping people in, that are homeless right here in St. Louis. We're supporting homeless shelters right here in St. Louis. We're helping veterans who are struggling with mental health issues. We've got people on college campuses who are preaching the gospel through InterVarsity. We've got, we're reaching out to high school. Our, our circle of influence is enlarged through our generosity. You understand what he's saying is he's not saying, oh gosh, you're going to get loaded with money if you give. What he's saying is your life will be enlarged. There's a bigger window that God has for you. There's a greater vision that God has for you than just yourself. And what generosity does is it opens the window and you get to see, not just see what's out there, but you get to partner with and participate in making God's truth and God's love and God's mercy spread around the world. That's why it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's why it's, 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 you know, generosity leads to an enlargement of who you are. And so maybe for some of you today, that's your life hack. You have, you have been nervous about money or you've been scared about money. And so you've been, you know, holding on to it. And God is saying, look, I want you to be generous. Maybe you start by picking up an angel tree. Right? Maybe, you, maybe you're, if you're really cagey about churches and you go, oh gosh, I don't know about the money thing with churches. You find another place to give and see what happens if your life doesn't open up and doesn't start to expand because of your generosity. Because God says, look, I want, I want you to flourish. This was written 3,000 years ago. I want you to flourish. This is, a, this is a truth. This is a principle. This is a deep life hack. So the question that I have for all of us is this. What would your life look like how would your life look different, differently if you applied one of these life hacks this week? Maybe for you, it's just the simple, it's the first one. God, I need wisdom around money. I need to sit down with somebody. I need to get, I need to get some help. I need to do some research. I need some help on this, God. Maybe that's it. Maybe for some of you, it's, I, I'm gonna start leaning in. I'm gonna start, even though I'm, I'm, I'm jaded with my job, I'm gonna start working as unto the Lord. I'm gonna start showing up early. I'm gonna start anticipating the needs of my client. I'm gonna start anticipating the needs of my boss. And I'm gonna start taking some initiative. And I'm gonna start, and I'm gonna push into that because I wanna get, I, 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 I want the gain, but I need to get into the grind. Maybe for some of you, it's, hey, you gotta sit down around a table and say, we gotta start bringing down the expenses or we gotta start bringing up the income because right now we're upside down and it is strangling us, Right? Or maybe for some of you, today is the day where you start to be generous and you open up. Now let me ask you this, and Jackson, I'm gonna close if you wanna come up. What would it look like if not just you, but if you and me and all of us together collectively begin to apply God's wisdom, God's life hacks into the area of our finances? Like what collective impact would that have on the city around us if we started doing that? If we started to become Liberated from the bondage of debt and we started pursuing God through our work and we, and, we started, and we started gaining wisdom and insight and knowledge about this very, very sensitive issue and we started being generous with our resources and, and, and reaching out and serving those in our community and serving. What would the collective impact of that be? Imagine that. And then imagine if it was, if it, if it was not just us but it was all the churches in this city that were all doing this And everyone was was leaning in on this. And then all Christians around the world were actually taking the the life hacks of Solomon, the wisdom of Solomon, and putting it into their lives and experiencing the freedom and the peace and the empowerment that it brings. What impact would that have? It would be be globally transformative. It would be transformational overnight if we began to do that. And so I just want to encourage and challenge each and every one of you today and myself Like, what step can I take? What step can I take this week? Where do I need to push in? Where do I need to lean into this teaching? Where do I need to lean in to what God is trying to teach me today? God is speaking into your hearts about one of these. I guarantee you, if you're listening, he's speaking to you through his word. He's speaking into your heart. What step does he want you to take? Where does he want you to lean in? Where does he want you to push in? Because the truth is, That God is for your good. He's for your good. He wants you to flourish. But you've got to apply his wisdom to your dollars and to your cents. Let me pray for you as we close. God, I ask that you would just make your presence known to us today. God, I pray that your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would speak into the heart's of each and every person here today in just a real and meaningful way, God. I just pray that you would touch hearts today because people are struggling and people are anxious and there's fear and there's nervousness and anxiety around this topic. And I just pray, God, that you would bring liberty and peace and comfort and fulfillment in people's hearts today, rich and poor, those with much and those with little, And God, help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to perform the redemptive work in our community that you've called us to through our generosity. Let us be a source of strength and hope and peace and power to the people in our community, God. Let us not just be focused on ourselves. Open the the window to the bigger vision of the world that you have for us. Let us see beyond what our eyes can see. Let us take our eyes off ourselves and look out into the world, into the community, and find ways, Lord, to lean in, find ways to, to bring hope, not even just in our community, but also in the country and, and into these other countries, Lord, that we're, that, we're, that we're supporting and these other partnerships and agencies. God, help us just to go further. Help us to be a true source of empowerment and life transformation in the hearts of people all around the world, God. We ask for this, God, to your glory. We ask, God, that you would be honored by our actions. And God, we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.